you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And on today's show, I'm happy to bring on Matt Moscona for his second appearance on this show. He's the host of Locked On LSU and also After Further Review, which is on ESPN 1045 in Baton Rouge from 3 to 6 every weekday. Matt and I have a great conversation about LSU basketball and also granularly about Will Wade and yes, Ed Orgeron as well, throwing a little bit of football talk for you as well. And you know what? Before we get to Matt, speaking of that, I do have some Missouri football topics that I want to address. And first of all, one of them is the defensive coordinator position. And I have seen a small but vocal part of the fan base that seems to want to bring back Craig Kuligowski as Missouri's offensive coordinator, or I'm sorry, defensive coordinator. Boy, if they wanted him as the OC, especially with Eli around, that would be a strange decision, wouldn't it? But no, of course, I meant defensive coordinator. Here's the thing with Craig Kuligowski. Lord knows he deserves all of our respect for everything that he did at the University of Missouri. And quite honestly, when Barry Odom was hired as Missouri's coach all the way back in 2016 now. I was on board, especially with the idea that Craig Kuligowski would be Barry's defensive coordinator. But clearly there was a fracture between those two at some point. And Craig Kuligowski, well, he went on down the road to other places. Eventually ended up at Alabama, memorably. But he only lasted one season at most of these places including Alabama, and now I believe Craig is is in Toledo. So he's definitely fallen down the ladder, for sure. The point is, if Craig Kuligowski was some... If he was a keeper, well, I think Nick Saban would have kept him. Let's put it that way, at this point in his career. And also, there was a lot of weirdness that went down involving not just Barry Odom, but the University of Missouri as well. I don't want to get into all the rumor an innuendo, but let's just say that there's probably still some hard feelings there. Regardless, I don't think Missouri should be looking backwards at this point. I think Eli Drinkwitz is a forward-looking guy, and he's going to be looking to a guy who's probably on the younger side of the equation, maybe somebody he thinks he can keep around for two or three seasons at least if things go well. So basically all I'm saying about Craig Kuligowski, all you people who think he should come back, Just stop it. And speaking of ideas that I would like to put an early stop to, well, there was a good breakdown of the Missouri quarterback situation on Power Mizzou by Mitchell Forty this morning. And one of the things he said about incoming freshman Tyler Macon is that perhaps Macon will earn a few reps with the first team in in unique packages that utilize his mobility. Basically, the idea is, well, hey, remember when James Franklin in 2010, as a true freshman, he was second string to Blaine Gabbert. Well, Missouri did a nice job of getting him some goal line and short yardage packages that were not only effective for the Tigers, but served to give Franklin a little bit of live in-game experience. 
But here's my problem. While that worked for James Franklin and I was all for it with him, I'm not interested when it comes to Tyler Macon. Because remember, James Franklin, what was his nickname? Oh yes, it was Frank the Tank. Emphasis on tank. Tyler Macon is a pretty thick young man, but he's certainly not built like James Franklin. He's definitely not as tall as James Franklin. Now, while yes, in his junior season, Macon, while he did rush for 17 touchdowns in 10 games, yes, that's really impressive on paper, and he is a really solid runner. Again, I just don't think he's the tank-like player that you want to just smash into the goal line like you did with James Franklin. I just don't see that happening. And personally, when I see Florida, when they bring in their backup quarterback, whose name is escaping me off the top of my head here, Whenever they take out Kyle Trask and when they run those plays, again, it's not usually it's not necessarily a goal line type thing with Florida. I never like it. Although, frankly, as a Missouri fan, when they do it, I do like it because it can tend to maybe throw a series off or something like that. So to me, let Macon come in and try to truly compete for that starting job. And that's not a that's not a knock on Connor Bazelak, what I'm not about what I'm about to say. It's an acknowledgement of how good Tyler Macon is. That kid is not coming here to sit, in my opinion. It's going to be an interesting competition, I think, coming this fall. And by the way, by the way, Brady Cook showed something too, so let's not totally count him out either. And by the way, as I as I quickly transition to basketball here for a minute before we get to Matt Moscona of Locked On LSU. In my previous couple episodes, I can't remember which one it was, but I was fairly critical of Drew Smith, just in terms of, I felt like when Xavier Pinson isn't in the game, he needs to dominate the ball a little more and be more aggressive offensively. But I have to say, to be fair, the more I thought about that statement, there is a bit of a problem there, and maybe explains why Drew being more ball-dominant isn't as great of an option as I initially thought it would be. Because if you think about it, well, okay, when Pinson's out and Drew has the ball, well, who shoots? Because here's the thing. Drew has had to space the floor a lot this season by necessity. Because really, if you just look statistically, only Mark Smith and Drew have really been the only effective three-point shooters for Missouri so far. So if Drew has the ball... And Mark is in the game. Well, there's one guy who's facing the floor, and basically everything else is going to be congested. Meanwhile, if Mark isn't in the game, now you've got Drew Smith and a bunch of non-shooters. That's really, really tough, especially considering Drew not an above-the-rim player, and frankly, most of our guards, if maybe not all of them. If you want to include Mark Smith as an above-the-rim player, that's probably... That's probably pretty generous, to be honest with you. So Missouri obviously has problems at times finishing in the paint against bigger, more athletic teams. And certainly that only exacerbates itself when you have one you're one of your only good shooters being your primary ball handler. So that is a problem. I definitely acknowledge that. So I just want to say it's not just a Drew thing. It's a whole team thing. He needs more help as far as spacing goes, but obviously... I think at this point we can say Missouri's personnel is what it is when it comes to shooting. And unfortunately, because college basketball doesn't start sharing its point spreads until the day of the game, 
I don't have an official point spread from betonline.l.ag for you for this Missouri LSU game, but if you look at the Ken Palm projections, that's usually pretty accurate on what the line will be. You can expect maybe a Missouri by one, maybe two at the most. Could even be a pick You never know. And I think that speaks to sort of a lack of home court advantage this year. And if you want to take advantage of any of these types of opportunities, well, obviously you got to go to betonline.ag and sign up for a free account. And most importantly, use the promo code Locked On so you can get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So 50%, whatever you deposit on your first deposit, will you get that bonus back for free in your account from betonline.ag. Again, use the promo code Locked On at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And if you're looking for non-Mizzou betting opinions, frankly, you're better off listening to the guys that Locked On bets. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, you got to listen to those guys. Your boy Q, Lee Sterling, they're picking college hoops, football, and NBA all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. And without further ado, here's Matt Moscona from Locked On LSU. Joining me now is Matt Moscona from Locked On LSU. And Matt, I know you're you're real busy, so let's just get right into it. How are you feeling about this LSU basketball team so far? Man, you know, John, there was so much optimism with this team coming into the season. And... I think the last two games have given people a lot of reason for pause. This is a very deep, talented roster. I mean, Cam Thomas has obviously turned uh, a lot of heads nationally. But, man, to they missed a great opportunity on the road in Gainesville, especially with the Gators not having Keontae Johnson. And then Georgia, which was picked, what, 13th in the league, comes into the Maravich Center this week. And I mean, Georgia had a double-digit lead the second half. LSU had to claw back, force overtime, and then, I mean, just really – win it at the free throw line to win 94-92 against a bad Georgia team. So, man, it's it's interesting because this is probably the deepest, most talented team Will Wade has had, but maybe just because of the crazy COVID year and only having played nine games so far, it hasn't quite gelled yet. So it's really an unsettling feeling right here in the middle of, you know, as you're starting conference play. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting you say they're the most talented team maybe Will Wade has had. I noticed, of course, Skylar Mays gone. He was there. It felt like he was there forever, four-year player for LSU. (laughs) Emmett Williams kind of – I really liked him as a player last year. Sort of bizarrely went to the NBA, in my opinion, while he was undrafted. I don't know what was up with that, but but regardless – this team is still looks like one of the elite offensive teams in college basketball. I guess you got to give Will Wade a lot of credit there, don't you? Well, Will knows how to score. I mean, there's no doubt. Will knows how to put together an offensive game plan and how to get his team to score the basketball. And LSU's never going to struggle with that. Look, when you got a guy, I don't know if y'all have got a chance to see Camp Thomas yet, the freshman. I mean, he's he's magnificent. Will said in the preseason that Cam was going to be one of the leading scorers in the country, and he he didn't say freshman. He's, he people do anybody in the country he would be one of the top scorers and he's just a guy that absolutely knows how to get buckets you know against Georgia the other day his shot wasn't falling so you know wisely started attacking the the rim and was able to create contact get to the free throw line he was 15 of 16 I mean he's automatic for the free throw line he set the LSU record for consecutive free throws made I mean it's 
you know, this team will find a way to score. The biggest question with them is can they defend? And the thing for Saturday, which is going to be so interesting, is I know, you know Mizzou is going to play a much different style of basketball. You know, they're going to want to play in the half court and try to play a game in the upper 60s, lower 70s. LSU is going to want to push it and drive, you know, drive the pace and the tempo and score. So it, it's going to be a very interesting matchup of contrasting styles to see which style wins out. Well, you know, it's interesting, Matt. Actually, that is typically the case with Conzo Martin teams. But actually yeah. this season, even though Missouri is a bad three-point shooting team, they actually have tried to push it a little bit more in terms of fast break, getting early shots. But a lot of their more recent opponents have tried to slow them down, and it's been effective at times. So it will be interesting to see, yeah, how this plays out. I'm actually expecting maybe a game in the 70s or 80s because of how because of what LSU style is. But that's just me. We'll have to see what happens. What's been the sort of the the home vibe at Mizzou this year? I mean, because that's such you know I don't know how you feel about job, but like. For me, college basketball is the game where the crowd can most affect a game because you're right on the floor, and obviously you can have timeouts and turnovers, things like that. But you know, in in college football, you know, a, a, an offensive spurt can take the crowd out of the game. So it's just such a weird year in a COVID year where normally a home crowd advantage in college basketball is such a big deal, and it just doesn't feel like it might be this year. Oh, I, I think that's totally accurate, and certainly what you said about home court it probably is a bigger deal in basketball just because I think the officiating can be such a big deal sure. in that yeah, yeah. sport they can affect the flow obviously a couple quick fouls can take a kid out of the game for 15 20 minutes something like that but yeah I'm with you it's I've definitely attended most of the Mizzou home games this year and it's obviously a weird vibe you know I mean even I'm with my dad at most of these games we're except for one game, I think there was two other people in our section. And Mm. even when I was trying to, I don't know, walk around, make some noise, clap and stuff, I'm kind of like getting shamed by people who are, you know, (laughs) sections behind me, like, hey, stay in your seat, that kind of deal. I'm like, I'm the only person in the section. So, yes, to to your point, there's definitely a weird vibe. and, And, yeah, the atmospheres that would normally be at places like Columbia, and Baton Rouge and Lexington, Kentucky, it's just not there this season. So it's making for basically a lot of scrimmage-type atmospheres. A college football season like no other will crown its champion, and the Locked On Podcast Network is covering it from all angles. Listen to Locked On Buckeyes and Locked On Bama for in-depth, expert local coverage of each team. Hey, I know those Locked On Bama guys, Luke Luke Robinson, Jimmy Stein. Good dudes, really good information. So subscribe to Locked On College Football for previews and recaps of the final showdown for this season's college football championship. Now back to me and Matt. You know, I don't know how confident I am in LSU's ability to go on the road and get this win, Um, but it it is a – it is a big spot for LSU, I, I think, because they they have an opportunity to make some hay at the front and back of their schedule in SEC play. The middle is where you know they're going to face some some tough environments. Well, we say that, but you know, like they got to go to Rupp, and Kentucky's not playing great, and Rupp's probably going to be mostly empty. So, how how tough of a venue is that really? So it's but it's such a strange year. I mean, it wasn't football, obviously, it isn't basketball too to try to navigate these COVID waters to see how, how all the different variables are going to impact. But this 
you know, this game on Saturday, yeah, for, for Will Wade and the squad, I could tell you, John, I mean, the feeling around here is this, this absolutely should be a tournament team. And the hope is, you know, if they can get to maybe 12 SEC wins, be a respectable seed, get a good draw, this could be a second weekend of the tournament type team. And if you get, you know, and then once you get the tournament, you never know what may happen. But um, this feels like one of those games where you have an opportunity to go on the road and, and get a nice road win that it's going to help your net rate rating and all those things come, come tournament time and selection time. I just don't know that there's a ton of confidence that, that LSU is going to be able to, to limit Missouri from scoring the basketball. And it may be one of those games, judged by what you said about Missouri wanting to play a, a little bit higher scoring game. It may be one of those games that pushes into the eighties. Like don't be surprised if that happens because LSU just has struggled to defend anything. If it's defend the three dribble penetration, they just, They've been a really bad defensive basketball team. Yeah, and this this game looks like it's projected by all accounts to be basically a toss-up. So it's a really big spot for the Missouri Tigers as well. Yeah. After this week, they play Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, South Carolina before going back to Knoxville. So maybe a bit of a chance to go on a run here if they get a victory. Yeah. But Missouri certainly doesn't want to start one and three. And you know what, Matt, I want to ask you, I know Will Wade, obviously, we we talked about what an excellent offensive coach he can be. Obviously, Will is no stranger to controversy, too. Where where are you at with Will Wade right now? So, I mean, the thing that I've said about Will all along has never really changed, which is the optics of of what transpired are terrible. Like, there's no debating that. Um, I could also argue that there's been a, an abundance of stories throughout college athletics that look terrible where nothing happened. Um, like Cam Newton, I mean, Cam Newton, his dad solicited quarter million dollar payments for his son to play football and Cam Newton played an entire season. I mean, yeah. Was, North Carolina made up a whole like bogus class yeah. for, their, uh, for their athletes to take, but Hey, it's okay. Cause the normal students took right. it and took it too. That was their excuse. I, Look, I mean, Johnny Manziel in a in a Las Vegas hotel room surrounded by memorabilia that he's signing. Are we to believe he was there doing that out of the goodness of his own heart? And Johnny right. Manziel didn't did miss time. So I guess my point is, you know, there's there are things that look terrible. No, you know, uh, undoubtedly, but it comes down to you know what what can you prove that happened? And you know, my opinion or anybody's opinion is is not really relevant it's what's the ncaa infractions committee going to prove and the thing is man john like this thing has been going on for two years now and i can tell you the ncaa has shaken down javante smart i mean that the original recording was about javante smart javante smart's still playing for lsu right i mean his i mean the ncaa went i mean his family his mom his aau coaches everything kids still playing so i mean to some degree, what does that tell you? I, you know, I that you know there were other reports or rumors about, you know, like DeAndre Ayton. Well, DeAndre Ayton never played at LSU. You know, there was you know there was a and you know, Book Richardson was on a call talking about about Nas Reed. Well, Nas Reed flat out publicly denied that there was any transaction ever. So it's a he said she said. Like I I get it, man. Listen, I'm not in no way. I just want to be very clear. In no way am I absolving will wade or or lsu of wrongdoing like i I am not in any way saying nothing happened what i'm saying is man this has been going on two years and they're still digging it's like if it was that cut and dry something would have popped up so either 
they're really damn good at hiding whatever they're doing, or maybe maybe there's not as much as we initially thought. But, man, I know it's gone to the independent review panel. That could take another six months. So, I mean, it's, it's a bizarre situation, no doubt. There's a lot of people here that are uneasy with it, no question. Um, the NCAA it keeps going, limbo. It keeps going on, man. Now, the the limbo on. is the worst, I can kind of tell you from some yeah. experience as a Missouri fan. When they just leave you in the lurch for months or years on end, that's really brutal for sure. But, you know, and the worst thing, too, though, but, like, look at the – that's a great point, John. Like, look at the Missouri – you brought up North Carolina. North Carolina didn't participate at all. They did not cooperate at all with the NCAA and got right, right. Missouri cooperated they did. Yeah. and got hammered. It's like there's no incentive to help the NCAA. Yeah, it. I don't, man. It's, yeah, there's I, something like, wrong there for sure. Bro, you, you and I could do a whole like three day <laughs> long podcast on how much I hate the NCAA and why <laughs> college football and college basketball need to disassociate entirely with the NCAA. But again, another conversation for another day. Yeah, for sure. Well, if I can just ask you one more question, thanks for your time once again. I know it's it was an interesting season for LSU football after probably the greatest season they've ever had, one of the greatest teams in college football history. Now Ed Orgeron, well, he's he's divorced, he's out on the town, he's he's hiring Bo Pelini, everything's happening. Where where are LSU fans, most importantly you, Matt, where are you with Ed Orgeron? So, I mean, look, I'm – you probably don't know this, but I was easily the most vocally opposed to Ed's hiring back in 2016. Okay. Early 2017. Um, it, it, it was not a popular take around here. Um, I, let, let me rephrase that. A lot of people didn't like the hire. I was the one with enough balls to say it on the air. Um, and, and he won a national championship. But everything outside of that has been – sketchy man um yeah in 2017 you lose to troy you get blown up by mississippi state you have a bad bowl loss in the citrus bowl um in 2018 you had some some hits and misses but really and then this year was it was a disaster i mean ed ogeron's proven time and again he's not a great assessor of coaching talent i mean the misses that he's had from matt canada to jerry sullivan his passing game coordinator to bo Pelini and and um, uh, this year they had Scott Linehan as passing game coordinator. But it's like you have this one beacon of the greatest season ever, which is the outlier. But how much does that one season grant you, right? Right. So this is a pretty pivotal year for Ed. Um, they got a great recruiting class. They got a ton of young guys playing time this year. But, you know, at the, at the flip side, the structure LSU's put in place is Ed's going to be the CEO, hire great coaches, delegate, et cetera. And he's going to hire great coordinators. Well, when you have Dave Aranda and Joe Brady and, and Joe Burrow at court, like it all works. When you've got Bo Pelini having literally the worst defense in the history of LSU and you bring in Scott Linehan as your passing game coordinator and you go belly up, it looks like five and five and you, know, you give up 40 to Missouri and you, know, and you, you lose to Mississippi State, you know, a quarterback that got benched set an SEC single game passing record. I mean, it's it has been two realities with Ed Ogeron that are diametrically opposed. You either have like the greatest season ever or what the hell are they doing? Right. So, I mean, this is big, you know, he hired a couple of offensive guys who nobody's ever heard of. Um, I mean, around here, they're guys that, that were affiliated with Joe Brady. So people around here know Jake Peets and DJ Mangus, but nobody nationally is going to know those names. 
And they're trying to land Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator from Cincinnati. He was in town in Baton Rouge on Thursday interviewing for the job. You know, and, and if they land him, that's uh, that's about as good as you can do uh, you know, to fill that role. But if not, there's a real question of where do you go next? So, I mean, realistically, John, Ed's just got to nail these hires, man. If these hires don't work out and you have another season like LSU just had, next year at this time, you and I are going to be having a conversation as to whether or not Ed Ogeron is still LSU's coach. You know what? The way you laid that out there, that sounds completely fair to me. I got to be honest. I, I went in sort of thinking, boy, are we, are we getting a little bit too harsh on Ed Orgeron? But, but that was a, that was well laid out. Nicely done, Matt. I pre- appreciate your time, buddy. I know you got a hard out. I know, uh, know you had to sneak this in, so I appreciate your time, man. My pleasure, man. Happy New Year. Y'all have a great weekend, okay? 